It is good to see you back tonight, so thankful you've chosen to be with us. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 13. That's where we'll be spending our time tonight, 2 Samuel, chapter 13. If you were with us this morning, you know that we began a study of abuse, and I'm not trying to abuse you with the lesson. That's not the point, you know, that's not the whole thing. But there are a lot of people who undergo abuse by the hands of people who claim to love them and, and other situations that arise. And so we have to be aware of it. We have to know what the Bible has to say. Uh, I won't go back and rehash everything we said this morning, but there are two or three statistics that I want to I share with you tonight that we did not talk about this morning. Uh, three things. Number one, the yearly referrals to state child protective services throughout the United States amount to about 6.6 million children being affected. That's a lot of, that's a lot of kids being affected, and about 3.2 million of those children are subject to an investigated report, according to the Department of Health and Human Services out of Washington, D.C. And so that is, a, that is a number of investigations that go on, and some of you have worked closely with that through the years and, and been involved with those kinds of things. And so you know that it is indeed a prevalent kind of thing. Here's another thing that you might want to know. 4,774,000 women in the United States experience physical violence by an intimate partner every single year. And that was according to a, a study that was done in 2011 and published by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And so, again, another government agency that is giving us some statistics in regard to, to, to abuse that happens in our world. And here's another one from the American Psychological Association. Children who are emotionally abused and neglected face similar and sometimes worse mental health problems as ch children who are physically or sexually abused. Now we talked about different kinds of abuse this morning. We talked about the physical, which is easy to identify, bruises and broken bones and burns and all of those kinds of things. We also mentioned the fact that there is what we call the emotional abuse, where, where words are spoken to folks, you know, and threats are made and all those kinds of things. And there's the uh, economic abuse that sometimes money is withheld and, and goods are withheld, things that are needed are withheld from others. There's sexual abuse. And of course, we, we talked about those things this morning. But, but three little tidbits, three little facts that, that, that we need to think about to understand the widespread nature of what we're talking about today. Now, I said this morning that our lesson started out to be a one-lesson uh, lesson, one-lesson sermon. And the thing just kept growing, and I said what we wanted to do was start it this morning, continue it tonight, and finish it next Sunday morning. And what we've been doing is looking at a situation that's found in the book of 2 Samuel chapter number 13, in which there was an attack made by a stepbrother against his stepsister. And of course we noted this morning that when we're thinking about abuse, when we're studying it and trying to come to a conclusion about some of the things that the Bible has to say in regard to it, uh, one of the things that we always have to remember is we have to consider the one who is abused. 
And in our study from 2 Samuel chapter 13, we're looking at Tamar, who is the beautiful daughter of David the king. And of course, we mentioned this morning that the Bible does take uh, one word at least to to emphasize the fact that here is a a very good-looking young lady. Uh, the beautiful uh, uh, sister that that uh, the abuser had, and so we talked about her and and studied some things in regard to her and uh, the fact that that she was one who uh, who was uh, shamed, who was violated. The Bible says, and the word violated, uh, we dealt with that a little bit today. And, this morning, and finally we noted that she lived the remainder of her life in her brother Absalom's house, a desolate woman, and we talked about that. But tonight we want to go farther, and as we study through these things, you may have noted on the back of the bulletin this morning that, that we were going to be talking about in cases of abuse we have to, have to consider. Our second one that we have to consider, of course, is the abuser. We have to, when we're thinking about abuse, there always has to be one who is doing it, one who is abusing another. And so, in the cases of abuse that, that we hear about, that we study about, that we're talking about from the Word of God, there's always an abuser. In our case, we already have noted and read through Second uh, Samuel chapter 13, some of the verses there this morning, we know who the abuser was in this case. It was Amnon. And I've already stated the attack was a, a stepbrother against a stepsister in this case. David uh, had multiple wives, as you know, and he had children by the different ones. And Amnon had one mother, and Tamar had another mother. Okay, And so David had these children. Tamar and Absalom were full brother, sister, and we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, later, but uh, here we have the, uh, a family relation, but here is the abuser. Now, a couple of things that you might want to think about. Number one, when we're talking about Amnon, he's not one that we normally think about when we think about King David, but he's important. Why is he important? Well, a couple of passages at least tell us that uh, he was not just the son of David, but Second Chronicles or Second Samuel, rather, chapter three at verse two, and First Chronicles chapter three at verse one both tell us that he was David's firstborn son. He was the first child, first son, and so he would have been important because what would have happened had he lived. He would have been the one who would have been the successor to David being the firstborn child. And so here is a, it's an important thought for us to remember that Amnon is the firstborn son. And as we go through the lesson and we see the character of this man and we think about him, well, we have to ask the question, is that really the kind of man who needed to be sitting on the throne? Who needed to be ruling God's people? And so, you know, through, through the actions of, uh, of others, this person is going to be taken out of the scene. He's going to be taken out, taken out of the picture 
so that he does not become the next king of Israel. We know that Solomon will, will take the place of David, his father, but had it not been for the events that we're studying about here, Amnon would have been next in line. And so it's important for us to, to recognize that. He was a, a quite significant character in the Old Testament. Now, not only do we, do we understand that, but we note tonight some things in regard to him. The first thing that I want you to see about this man is that he became infatuated with his sister, with his stepsister. Look, if you will, to 1 Samuel chapter 13, or rather 2 Samuel chapter 13, and think about what is said in verse number 1. You may, may just want to keep your Bible open. The Bible says, Now Absalom, David's son, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar, and after a time Amnon, David's son, loved her. Think about that. The Bible says that Amnon loved her. The word that's translated love here is used a number of times in, in the Old Testament. And when we're thinking about the word that's translated, if you look up the definition of that word, it means to have affection for. And it can be identified with sexual love. And so when we're thinking about this person, we have to identify the kind of love if you're reading in other passages, and, and, and should you have been able to read Hebrew, what you would have found that is that this word is used a lot of times, and, and a number of times in the Old Testament it's used in relation to a love that a parent had for a child. And so there, there's a, a facet, an aspect of this love that, that there's nothing wrong with, but in the context in which it's used, it sometimes can have the idea and can allude to a sexual nature. Sometimes husbands are said in the Old Testament to have loved their wives. But here Amnon is said to have loved his sister, his stepsister, if you will. And so as you look at it, you, you'll come to understand more. Here's a man who, who has fixed his attention. Uh, here, here is one who, who has as the object of his attention, who is drawing his uh, physical desires, has become his the stepsister. And so one of the things to note is the Bible says that he loved her. Here's the second thing that you need to keep in mind. Amnon's mind became so occupied with an inappropriate relationship that he made himself sick, physically sick. Notice again what the Bible has to say in regard to, to Amnon and, and what he's doing here. If you continue reading in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 13 and you go on down to verse number 2, and Amnon was so tormented that he made himself ill because of his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin. And it seemed impossible to Amnon to do anything to her. He made himself ill. Again, if you're looking up definitions of word, the word that's translated ill is, is a word that's used again several times in the Old Testament, and it literally refers to people who have gotten physically sick. 
Here's a man who has so occupied himself, he's allowed his mental state to get so tied up in, in having a sexual relationship with his sister that, that it is controlling his body. That's pretty, pretty tough stuff, isn't it? That, that, that's hard for you to imagine that he can be so caught up in that. Now, not to minimize what we're talking about here, but we can understand how our mind can, can sometimes affect our physical health, can't we? Uh, have you ever heard the term somebody has worried himself or herself sick? They can literally get themselves down physically because of worry. Maybe they're so worried about something they can't eat. And as a result of that, their physical body, you know, hurts. It, it, it is affected by it. It wasn't worry that was uh, on the mind of, of Amnon. It was his sister Tamar. And she so occupied that that the Bible doesn't tell us exactly what was wrong, but, but, but he had gotten sick. I don't know if he had an ulcer or what. But the Bible says he made himself ill over her. But here's the third thing. As you see the story develop that we find here, you're going to find that folks begin to notice they're going to know something, notice something about Amnon. Now, let's go back and do a, a little bit of reading again tonight. Stay in your Bible in 2 Samuel chapter 13. And, and we'll go on the next verse. You know, we, we talked about he made himself ill. Verse 3 says, But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shemaiah, Shemaiah David's brother, cousin, okay, and Jonadab was a very crafty man. And he said to him, O son of the king, why are you so haggard morning after morning? Will you not tell me? And then Amnon said to him, I love my sister. Basically, he admits to him what is wrong. And so it had affected him to the point that other people were noticing it. Something's wrong. They may not have been able to identify specifically when we're looking at the words uh, and what Jonadab, his conversation with him, uh, the friend that he had, he may not have been able to put his finger on it, but he knew something was wrong. It, it just wasn't right with, with Amnon. And, and he could tell something is on his mind. Something is bothering him. Something it's causing him, English Standard Version, to look haggard morning after morning. He's sick. And something is causing it. And so his friend Jonadab asked him that question. But I want to call your attention to something else in regard to that later on in this chapter. After the attack takes place in the bedroom, if you will, of, of Amnon and his sister is sent away. His sister Tamar meets up with her brother Absalom. Okay? Uh, she has left his house, left Amnon's house. She has put dirt on her head. She's torn her beautiful robe. And now 
she meets up with her brother Absalom. And I want you to look down in verse number 20 of 2 Samuel chapter 13. Drop all the way down there. She has put the dirt on her head, verse 19, went away crying aloud as she went. And verse number 20 says this, And her brother Absalom said to her, Has Amnon, your brother, been with you? Now let that sink in for just a minute. The first question that Absalom seems to ask is, Has Amnon been with you? I don't know about you, but does that strike you a little funny? That Absalom would ask the question about Amnon, his brother? Had Absalom observed the actions of his brother? Was Amnon's character that of which he would be willing to attack a woman? because of his sexual desires in regard to her? Was Absalom, you know, did he know something that perhaps other folks didn't know about his own half-brother? The very first thing, it seems, that he asked his sister is not what's wrong, and it's not has someone attacked you, the very first question he asks her when he sees that she is so distraught, have you been with Amnon? Had Absalom noticed the things to an even greater extent than what Jonadab did? Now Jonadab, we'll talk about him later. And we'll talk about Absalom more later. But Absalom's reaction is a lot like, oh no, has Amnon gone and done it? Has Amnon, you know, really followed through on what everybody has been able to observe that's in his eyes, on his face, and perhaps even in his heart? Folks can sometimes see through the facade of others. And so, folks begin to notice. That brings me to the point. You know, when we think about uh, uh, abusers, sometimes they are obsessive people, just like old Amnon was. And there are some very clear signs when it comes to an obsessor, as we'll call them here in this lesson, uh, there are a lot of people who need to be uh, aware of obsessors, you know, who become abusers. Uh, young ladies in particular need to be uh, aware of the characteristics of obsessors because you may have someone who is obsessed with you who wants to be your boyfriend. And you start a relationship with that person and it ends up in a very bad way. Maybe he doesn't rape you or anything like Amnon did, but what if he decided that 
I want you to be my wife, and you said yes because you had been, uh, you know, fooled by him. And he becomes that controlling, manipulative person that abuses you in a very emotional way with his words and perhaps even in a physical way. You know, those of us who are a little older, we've probably been able to see that in the lives of more people than we want to be able to count. And parents and grandparents do not want that for their granddaughters nor for their grandsons. It's not just men who become obsessors and become abusers. It's also women who do the same. And so you need to be able to to spot an obsessor, and, and these are not all of the things that, you, that you'll see. Some of the signs of an obsessor is, you know, they barrage you with a lot of uh, attention, and it's very intense attention. And you, uh, they demand so much of your time that it becomes unreasonable. They don't want you to be with anybody else or anywhere else. You've got to be with them all the time. You know, every single minute has to be with them. They don't care about anything else in your life, including your family. As a matter of fact, many of them want to separate you from your family. And they don't want you to have anything to do with the family. And so they, they ignore the other aspects of, your, of their life. They, they show jealousy. They follow you or check up on you, you know, on a constant basis. They ignore their pers- your personal space, if you want to call it that, to, to, to let everybody know you're mine, you're taken. There are a lot of things that, that go into that. So there are signs of an obsessor. And you can, you can look up, there's no lack of information as to how this thing works with people. You see, Amnon was an obsessor. And it made him sick, and other folks began to notice it. Here are some abuser characteristics. There are, I think, 12 things up there on the screen. And, and again, if you just type in characteristics of an abuser, you're going to find a number of different websites, and, and they're going to have different articles in regard. But when you start looking at these things, pretty much the ones that you find are going to have these 12 characteristics up there on it. Look at number one on the list up there. They're charming. Uh, they're jealous, manipulative, controlling. They themselves feel like they're a victim. Everybody else is against me. It's never my fault. It's always somebody else who has... Uh, Gone against me. Narcissistic. They're, they're constantly thinking of themselves, and that's all. Inconsistent, critical, disconnected, hypersensitive. You know, you, you really can't say or talk to them because, you know, they're, are you really seeing through my facade? Hypersensitive. Vicious, cruel. Quite often they, uh, again, statistics and studies show that that not only would they abuse you, but, but it happens, uh, they would probably abuse an animal, treat them badly, 
you know, more so than, than what the normal person would. And the last one is one that you really need to be aware of. Sin- insincerely repentant. What do you mean by that? Well, maybe they, maybe they have that conversation with you. Maybe they make that threat. Maybe they hit you. Maybe they do whatever it is that they've done to begin the abuse to you. And they're so apologetic. I'm so sorry. I will never do it again. And they just keep on and keep on and keep on all the time knowing that nothing has changed in their heart or in their life. That is so classic. That is so obvious in the life of so many who portray these things out or carry them out in their life And the sad thing about it is those who are closest to them and those who are being abused by them, they seem to be the only ones who can't see that. The insincerity that comes so clearly across to others. And so tonight, you know, You can't remember all these things. You won't remember all of them. The lesson's not designed for you to do that. The lesson is simply designed to make us aware that, hey, folks can see through some folks. Jonadab knew something was wrong. Absalom evidently thought it in his mind that here is his own stepbrother who has perhaps a reputation or at least he has observed in some way something that led him to the conclusion that he had attacked his half-sister. Has your brother Amnon been with you? Isn't it terrible to have that kind of reputation. Wouldn't it be so, so tragic to have that kind of reputation in front of, uh, you know, by other people? Was Amnon's character so bad that people were suspicious of him? And do you know someone who fits the characteristics that you have to be suspicious of? What a sad, sad day. Here's some other things that we need to remember before we close our lesson tonight. Amnon was a man who was willing to go to any length to get what he wanted. Now again, we're going to talk, talk about Jonadab next week, next Sunday morning. We're going to talk about him. He uh, sort of throws out a plan for him to be able to, uh, to, to fulfill his desires with his sister, with, with, for Amnon to fulfill his desires with uh, his half-sister. Bad to have a friend like that, but it's worse for a man to be willing to follow through with such an evil plan. Amnon was willing to go through with it. He readily listened to what Jonadab, what his scheme was. 
He involved his own father in the scheme. And he fulfilled his desires with his sister. Number two, Amnon was unreasonable. You remember this morning we said in regard to uh, 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 Tamar that when he began the attack upon her, that she tried to reason with him. My my brother, talk to the king. He, he He would do something. He would give me to you as your wife. You know, we could somehow get this worked out. She tried to reason with him from the standpoint of, hey, it's going to bring shame upon me. And what are folks going to think about you? That's one of the basic things she says to him. She tries to reason with him, but he's unreasonable. He will not listen. He is driven, driven by his inappropriate desire for this woman. Not only that, but he was heartless toward his victim. As many are, you know, we talked about this morning at the beginning of our lesson, some of the cases of abuse that have taken place through the years. And, 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 you know, that last one that we talked about, the mother and a boyfriend in Florida who beat the little bitty baby, crushed the chest, beat the back, took a blow dryer and burned the skin off of the baby, took hot cooking oil and poured it on his head, on his torso, on his genitals. How could you do something so heartless? But our world is full of folks. But I want you to see something else here concerning uh, the heartlessness of Amnon. Look again at 2 Samuel chapter 13 and, and, and drop down to verses uh, 15 through 17. And there the Bible says, Then Amnon hated her with very great hatred, so that he hated her, uh, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Get up! Go! And she said to him, No, my brother, for this is wrong in sending me away. And it would even be worse. But he would not listen. Look at verse 17. He called the young man who served him and said, Put this woman out of my presence and bolt the door after her. After selfishly satisfying his own sexual desires, he was ready to toss her aside for his next conquest. He hated her. The hatred with which he hated her was stronger than the love with which he loved her to begin with. That's pretty telling thought, isn't it? Do you realize that many abusers place blame on the abused? It's their fault. You made me act this way. 
And they hold him in contempt. He satisfied himself. He got what he wanted. Now he has no use for her. We mentioned this morning that one of the things that a person, a man who, who, who raped a young lady who was not betrothed, the Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy, it became his responsibility to marry her and to care for her for the rest of her life so that she would not be desolate from the standpoint of finances. It wasn't like she could just go draw a check or something like that. He was to take care of her. He was bound by God to take care of her for the rest of his life. But what did Amnon do? Get up, get out, and do not let her back in here. Heartless in what he did, and he did not care after that one whit about what happened to her. She could go off and starve to death. She could go off and commit suicide. She could go off and do whatever she wanted to do. Just get her out of my sight. That's the life of an abuser. Unfortunately, sometimes abusers hang around and they still hold that contempt. Child can't go somewhere, so he catches it a lot. A husband or a wife, the abuser can be either one, they refuse to get out of the situation. Brother Eddie prayed this morning, or this afternoon, especially for the, for the younger ones and the older as well. Older folks become so vulnerable because they can no longer care for themselves. I think we were talking about in uh, our discussions and our planning for the year, one of the things that's going on in, in, in some countries are not just assisted suicides, but flat-out euthanasia. In spite of what the person wants. There are heartless, wicked, evil people in our world. Amnon was a narcissist and a sociopath, and after gratifying his own sexual lust, he threw her out like a piece of worthless garbage. The only thing he was concerned about was his own personal feelings. He didn't care about her, how it hurt her, how she felt. It was all about him. He treats her as though she is the one who has disgraced him. You know, that's... You really do want to go out into the woods with them for a little while, don't you? Two went in, one came out. Now don't take that to heart too much because we're not finished talking about this story. Okay? We're going to talk about almost that same, same thing. 
a little bit later on. But we don't have time and won't be doing that tonight. We'll consider some additional thoughts next Sunday. Let me close our lesson with a couple of passages of Scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6 in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul writes and says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as he told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. We take that on the face in First Thessalonians chapter four, verses three through six. We we take that on the face to be two people who are consenting and that they should not participate in an ungodly sexual union. But any kind of attack in a sexual way or any other way is perpetrated and hurting to the other person. And I just want you to notice here that the Bible says don't do that. And I do want you to catch that one last thought that's there near the end. Why? Because God is the avenger. He will not overlook it. Now, he has made it possible for the abuser to repent, to turn away from the evil action, to change his life and change his heart. But one who refuses to do that will stand before the judgment seat of God, who will act, not as a cartoon character avenger, but as the judge of the universe, who will take vengeance on the abuser. That is a very thought-provoking eye-opening concept. But one more verse, and then the lesson is yours. For the abused, God provides refuge. Or rather, Psalm 147, verse 3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. That's the kind of God that we have. He sees and He knows. He knows what we go through. He knows if you've been on the receiving end of the abuse, God knows and He wants to help. He offers that the abuser can repent just like of any other sin in a person's life. He offers that. But He knows. He understands those little children those wives, those husbands, those older folks who've been abused. He's ready to help. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's invitation is always open, but we're extending it to you right now. Maybe you're here and in the past to become a Christian, but your life's not been right with God and you need to do, get it right tonight. That's the case and you need to respond. Come right now. It's together we stand as